Welcome back to another season of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick, finally joined for the start of the season by my co-host, Matt Ferreira. Matt, how you doing? Happy opening weekend. Happy opening weekend to you too, Owen. We've seen some exciting baseball so far and can't wait to keep going the rest of the season. Yeah, a lot of great baseball so far, and it has resulted in our, in our first standings update of the year, although this is a little skewed as we are recording this here on Saturday morning. We currently have the New Britain Bees at 3-0 in first place. Right behind them are the Pittsfield Suns, Vermont Lake Monsters, and Worcester Bravehearts at 2-1. Westfield, Norwich, Nashua, and Brockton holding up the bottom half of the standings, but hey, it's been three games. Plenty of time to make some noise and there's been plenty of players that's made that have made some noise, Matt. For sure. And one guy that sticks out to me is Manny Ramirez Jr. Uh, three hits and six at-bats, and all three of them have been going for extra bases, including two home runs. He's just driving in runs. He's got four RBIs on the season, and he's just been swinging it. Yeah, he has certainly been swinging it. We've also seen some great pitching, too, and some historic pitching. As Marie Galisic, our guest on Season 6, Episode 3 of this podcast, became the first female ever to play a game in the Futures League. She appeared in the Brockton Rocks game going one inning and striking out one batter. So congrats to Marika on making history. We've also had a couple of returning closers doing their thing. Wyatt Cameron and Dennis Colloran each have a save in two innings pitched. And our guest for this week on this week's podcast is Ryan LaPierre who did his thing on opening night in Pittsfield, going six innings, allowing four hits, one run, and striking out six batters. It was great to talk to Ryan this week about being back in Pittsfield and his excitement for year number three in the Suns uniform. For sure. It's exciting to see returners come back and how much they appreciate the Futures League and what they've seen the Futures League do for them as well. Yeah, we talked to Ryan about about that, about the culture of Pittsfield and about the culture of the Futures League, as well as his time at Westfield State and Pittsfield High School. He's a hometown kid wearing the Suns colors. There is nothing better than that. There's also nothing better than watching Futures League baseball. And folks, you have the chance to do that with our FCBL network packs. I mean, I know we I know we have one. We love mm-hmm. to watch these games. You you should too. You can get a week pass for ten dollars. You can get a month pass for thirty. Or you can get the full season pass for $99. It's a steal. It's an absolute steal to watch your favorite team or all of all eight of our teams all season long. So be sure to visit fcblnetwork.com and select whatever broadcast you prefer. Buy into the packs. We're ready to watch FCBL Network all year. I know you guys are too. It's been fun opening weekend so far. Matt, any final words before we kick it to Ryan LaPierre? Just can't wait to keep watching some exciting baseball. And it's been a great start to the season, as we have said multiple times already, but I cannot wait. Yeah, we can't wait to get into more Futures League baseball. So much opportunity to watch Futures League baseball this summer, and we we can't wait for it. I don't know if we said that enough. Have we said that enough? I think we said that enough. All right, you've seen enough of us. You want to see Ryan LaPierre. We're going to get you there. Here is Ryan LaPierre. We are honored to welcome our next guest here on to Back to the Futures to lead off Season 7. He is a three-year veteran of the Futures League and is back for the 2023 season with the Pittsfield Suns and started for them on opening day. It is Ryan LaPierre. Ryan, how you doing today? Good. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, of course. 
It is our pleasure here. And you had a great start to the season already winning the 78 sports pitcher of the night on opening night after six quality innings. How important was it for you to start the season on the right foot with a big win over the silver Knights? Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, even though it was a little bit rainy, we had a decent crowd that still came. So it was cool to be able to throw in front of everybody. And that was my first time throwing like an opening night. So it was just a really cool experience and a great team win. And Ryan, you're back for your third year at the Suns, like we said. What led to that decision, and how special is it to play for your hometown team, the Pittsfield Suns? I've just had so much fun the past two years that, you know, it's my last year's summer ball. I just couldn't give it up. I just wanted to be able to play for my last year. And since I've had so much fun there in the past, it was a pretty easy decision. And do you have a favorite memory from Waco Park? A favorite memory... I think the 4th of July games are definitely pretty cool. I remember I came in my first year in the 4th of July game, and I was literally, like, shaking in the bullpen. I was so nervous because, like, there was a ton of people there. But I'd say that's probably my favorite memory is just the 4th of July games. They're just wicked fun. Tons of people show up. Yeah, those 4th of July games are always fun, and they will be back this summer. And you are one of many guys on the team from previous years, especially who have played for Pittsfield that are from Pittsfield. What does it mean to have so many guys on the team? You mentioned what it means for you to play, but to have so many guys that grow up in Pittsfield and end up playing on the uh, Suns roster. Yeah, it's really cool, especially because a lot of the guys you, uh, you grew up playing against. So like, it's kind of cool to join forces and be able to play together. So I think that's probably the coolest part about it and just be able to play with each other again is really cool. Kind of comes full circle. It's like a little league all-star team just in Pittsfield. Uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> in last season, you saw a significant jump from a 5-3-2 to a 2-9-3 ERA. What changes did you put into your second year, and what experience, what experience did you gain from your first year that helped you? Yeah, it was good to be in the league for the first year, just kind of get a feel for everything. And I think I just kind of grew as a player, got a little bit more confident, started throwing throwing with some more confidence, and I feel like that was a big game changer for me. Yeah, and you brought that confidence out on opening day, as we mentioned earlier. But one thing that I do want to ask specifically is opening day starter. You said you've never pitched an opening day before. How special was it for you to get the nod as the opening day starter for the Suns? I I believe it's been Mestre the last couple of years, so you were you were the first – new face on opening day in a little bit for the sun. So how special was it for Chad Shade to name you the opening day starter? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, A great honor. And I was really excited to get going and uh, I'm glad that it worked out. Well, good crowd. It was really fun. Great team win. It's a good experience. And back to last season, you guys finished three games out of a playoff spot. What are you excited for in this season's team to improve on as you guys make a push into the top four? Uh, yeah, for, for sure. Uh, especially being in the playoffs my first year, like I know what it's like to be there and how fun it is. So um, definitely want to make a playoff run this year and just have that experience again. And so I'll, I'll probably take that experience my first year as a motivator uh, into this year, especially not having made the playoffs last year, just to get that feeling back. Cause it is a really cool experience to be in the playoffs and be able to compete for a championship. Yeah. I do want to touch on that 2021 run. We will get there in a couple minutes, but I did want to touch 
on the manager carousel that you've been a part of personally. It's been your third year in the league and you're now on your third manager, but all great guys, of course. Yeah. And this season it's Chad shade who spoke very highly of you and the team earlier on this, uh, on season six of this podcast. How much do you look forward to working with him for the rest of the summer? You know, coach shade growing up playing for the Suns, I would always like go down to the ballpark and see him. He was always a little bit older than me. So we never really crossed paths like in our baseball careers, but, He's always been around Pittsfield, so I've known him through that. And uh, we work out at the same facility. So I've been uh, talking to him there, and, you know, I know he's really excited for this year and ready to get going. We wish K-State the best, but we're looking forward to seeing Chad in those Suns colors once again this summer. Yep. And we talked about your coach of future, but you've had multiple coaches in your tenure, like we mentioned. And I wanted to ask about Coach Kevin Donati. What did he bring to the table, and what was it like to have him at the facilities and the facilities of Rip City Academy to help improve? Yeah, it was awesome. Kevin's a great guy, really easy to talk to, and he he, he relates with the players a lot. And then obviously, Rip City was a huge, a uh, huge um, resource that we were able to use, able to go in there and get work in before games or after games. And yeah, it was just it was a really fun summer, and I really enjoyed it. And right back to that 2021 season you were just talking about, you had Matt Gedman as your coach, a true veteran of the league. What did you learn from him, and have you seen a different coaching style between him and the other two guys? Yeah, I think they're both similar in the way that they're really easy to connect to, really easy to talk to, and uh, pretty easy going. But yeah, Getty was a good way to get introduced to the Futures League just because he's been here, been here for so long. I'm not sure how many years he was with Pittsfield before that, but... I know it was at least one. So it was good to uh, step in with, with Getty. He's a great guy, great coach. And I learned a lot from him and kind of took that into the second season. And with Coach Kev, it was the same way. He was just easy going, really easy to talk to. And I had known him prior, so it was it was easy to just jump on board and get going. So, Ryan, it has to be asked, three years in the league, three different managers, do you believe that you're the problem? I think, yeah, I might have to take a look in the mirror because I think <laughs> they might be running away from me for sure. Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures, but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And we we wanted to talk about it. We mentioned Matt Gedman and the 2021 summer a couple of minutes ago. You guys made an incredible run to the finals that year, led by... Uh, arms like Isaiah Mestre and yourself, and of course, Chief Okona right there oh, yeah. in the dugout with you guys. 
What did it mean to be part of that team and experience that run to the finals, obviously, despite the result? Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I'm pretty sure we literally had kids that were like set to move into school on a certain day and they wanted to like push their move off in just because we were we were so bought into winning and obviously it didn't go our way, but it was such a cool experience. I remember that game in Vermont. There was just so many people and like a ball would go in the air, like it'd be like a pop up the shortstop and they'd go nuts like it was a home run. And it was just really cool to be there and experience that. That was probably one of my favorite baseball moments in my career thus far. Yeah, and you talk about that, and that did happen a lot. I know exactly what you're talking about, where guys were supposed to report to school, but would either go to school, report, and then come back, or yeah. they, would, they would call their coaches and be like, hey, like, can I come back a few days later? We're about to you know, fight for a championship. What does that say about you, know, you guys and the way that that locker room bonded in 2021? Yeah, we were really close. I know I still talk to uh, – we still talk in the group chat even two years later. And uh, we were really bought into to winning that year. And, you know, it's tough that it, it didn't go our way, but we we definitely gave it a valiant effort. Yeah, and that's – and again, that's great, you know, knowing that everybody's bought in. and Because obviously summer ball can go either way where it's like, hey, I'm here to improve my craft, or hey, I'm genuinely bought into the idea of winning a championship with the guys that are on the field. So that's great that you guys were all bought in like that. And in 2021, you were started as a sophomore, and you had to buy in quick – the Suns have many older guys in the same rotation and bullpen with you, like Mestre and Ryan Langford. What did those guys teach you about the league and just pitching in general? Yeah, both of them. I mean, I still talk to both of them. Like Isaiah texted me before my last start and was just like, go get him, you know, fill up the zone. But both of them have been like, or being with them both that first summer was really helpful. They're both vets and that they both have like a good or a big play in like my getting my confidence up and just like because baseball can be a cruel game sometimes so they were both there to like you know shake it off or whatever but they're really good like mentors and having people like that my first year in the league was very helpful and I'd say that had a big impact on you know my future league career and being a three-year uh veteran in this league what are you telling the new guys that are coming in and helping them uh you know just the same thing like at the end of the day at the end of the day it's just a game and don't take anything too seriously and just have fun with it and you know once you take that attitude like you're probably gonna end up doing better anyway just playing stress-free baseball it's supposed to be fun and yeah that's really it yeah just a game at the end of the day true and I want to ask this kind of as a follow-up to that. You're back in the league. So many guys are returning this year to the league, whether it's on Pittsfield or around the league. What does that say about not only the Suns, but the culture of the Futures League and having everybody continue to come back and want to come back to play for these organizations year after year? Yeah, I think it just goes to show how fun the league is. And uh, you know, I know a lot of guys that they can't get in with one team, you know, they'll try to get in with another team or like get on a temp with another team. And I, I just feel like everyone wants to be around that environment and, you know, playing in the cool stadiums and the social media coverage. It's just, it's a ball. And I know a lot of people are like fighting to get into the league and it's a privilege to be here. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's certainly been fun to have everybody continue, even returners come back and, and new guys continue to show off their stuff year after year. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. 
Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest-grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, ZorianBats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. So transitioning down to your college career to Westfield State, how did you feel coming out of this season? Uh, I really loved it there. It was my first year there, and it was a uh, you know a great experience. And uh, obviously, we uh, we lost in the first round, which was really tough. But we were competitive all year, made the playoffs, and it was a really good experience. And we gotta highlight one of the things you guys did this season at Westfield State. You stunned number two ranked Eastern Connecticut State with a 10-1 victory in which you pitched eight strong innings. Did you do anything different in your pregame routine when facing a team that's ranked or as profound as the reigning D3 champions? Um, Not really. Just kind of went about my business how I usually do and just tried to throw my game and uh, hope or, uh, gladly it worked out. And, you know, the boys swung it well, which was – oh, that's always nice. And uh, yeah, it just worked out. Just did everything regularly, and defense played great behind me. And that was a, that was nice to get that win, though. And like you said, they were swinging it in the first inning. They gave you three runs of support. Did that take any pressure off you going out on the mound? Yeah, I uh, I love first inning runs because it just makes it easier to go out there and just try to fill it up and you know let your defense bail you out a little bit. Yeah, that's certainly important. And Eastern Connecticut State's got a lot of futures league guys. You noticed that as you were as you were getting these guys out, you were like, Yeah, yep, I know you, I know you, I know you. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing is uh like the relationships you mean in the futures league, like they're everywhere. Like I know uh everyone that I've met like in the past two years, I've played a lot of them in school ball. So it's good to keep those connections through the entire year. Yeah, so is there a little added motivation when you either have met those guys or you face them in the Futures League where it's like, okay, I've, you either had my number before or I had yours, let's do that again? If I am thrown against somebody that I know or like have a connection to, I'm trying to get them out more so than other people just because I know they'll give me stuff if they want to text me after the game or something. But, yeah, it, it's really cool to be able to like know people on the other team and just talk and socialize after the game or before the game. Yeah, you already know if you're striking somebody out, you're like, I got your number. <laughs> and you ended up on Westfield State, but you came from the University of Hartford, who obviously had a number of changes in the last couple of years. What was your time like at the University of Hartford? And I'm sure I know the answer to this, but what led to your ultimate transfer? Uh, Yeah, I had really fun there. Met a lot of great guys. And, you know, that was an all around great experience. It was great to be able to play at that level and play a lot of cool teams. And then, yeah, just when all that stuff went down, uh, just a very unfortunate situation. I just uh, wanted to make a change and, you know, decided on Westfield State. It's close to home. And I really bonded with the coaches and been happy there. Happy at both places, but been uh, happy at Westfield State for sure. 
So I definitely do want to talk about that, especially from your perspective as a player, the news about the University of Hartford moving to Division Three. How stunning was that to hear? And kind of what was your initial reaction? And how did how did everything kind of unfold as quickly as it did? Yeah, it was it was kind of out of the blue. I remember like us freshmen were all living in dorm rooms. So we were in like the common area and uh, we had just got an email just pretty much saying like, you're going to go to division three. And we're all like, wait a minute, like what? And uh, so it just kind of took us by surprise. And then from there, it was, it was a pretty quick process. Initially, we didn't really know if it was going to happen, but then like information started coming out and we're like, okay, yeah, like this is probably going to be a reality. But it was it definitely took us by surprise and it was obviously a big change. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. The the timeline of it is still it's crazy how it yeah. all of a sudden it was just like that was that. That's something. Yeah. And for, so from Harford, you enter the transfer portal, end up at Westfield State. What was the transfer portal like for you? Uh, and again, you said you had a good relationship with the coaches. Is that how you kind of ended up at at Westfield State ultimately? Yeah. So uh their coach reached out to me in the summer and I had known him prior just uh, through high school, like not known him personally, but like I had known the name from, I know he was around when I was in high school. So he had reached out to me and I toured there and I just really liked it from the second I was on campus. The coaching staff was really all, all the coaches were really welcoming and the players were too. And so it was just a great fit and I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I do want to ask this because, I mean, you might have a little bias here, but the transfer portal has been a big story in college sports for the past couple of years, especially with everything that's happened with COVID and whatnot. So from your perspective, do you think the transfer portal is a good thing or a bad thing in general for college sports? Uh, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Uh, it could be a good thing and a bad thing, but uh, it depends really how you use it. But I know a lot of guys are in situations that, they weren't happy with i know my situation's a little bit different but uh people were in situations that they weren't happy with and it's good to have that option and uh you know i've seen a lot of guys a lot of division three guys like ball out at their school and then be able to move up to a division one team which like caleb spur like the stephen quigley people that have been on the suns with me who went through that process and that's obviously you know really cool and that's that's a good thing. But yeah, I think overall it, it's a good thing and, and it just kind of depends how you use it. And you just touched on a few division three guys that went D one, which is also the makeup of a lot of the futures league D one and D three. What is the biggest difference between division one and division three that you have experienced? If any, Um, I don't think there's a much of a, as big of a difference as a lot of people think uh, I've, I've met, you know, good ball players at all divisions. And I think the Futures League does a good way of like showcasing that. Like there, we have a, a bunch of, you know, D3 ballers and, and D1 and D2 ballers. And just goes to show that there's there's good baseball players everywhere. And I think the Futures League is a really good example of that. And when you're pitching in the Futures League, do you change your approach when you're pitching to players of different levels or even D1, like at a D1 level, do you pitch differently than you would at D3 than you would at summer ball? Or do you keep the same approach of throwing strikes? Yeah, I, I keep the same approach, just try to throw my game. And, you know, I always think like a good pitch 
to one person's a good pitch to another person. So just try to do what I do and keep it simple. Again, no matter who I'm facing. Yeah. Talking about keeping it simple and that, and that's, you know, we, we talked to Chad shade actually, who obviously he hasn't exactly bestowed his wisdom upon you yet, but he was big about slowing the game down. And, and as you said, keeping it simple, going step-by-step. Step. So was that ever an approach you took where it's just like kind of you, you just standing there. Cause you, I mean, as a pitcher, you definitely control the game, but is it like, how, how are you, would you slow the game down if, if he was to give you that advice? Yeah, for sure. Especially as a pitcher, it's easy for like the game to, you know, get out of hand or get away from you. So it's really important to be able to slow it down and just take deep breaths and make sure the game doesn't speed up on you. Cause you know, I've had outings where all of a sudden it was zero, zero. And the next thing, you know, I've let up four runs or whatever, and, and it just changes the whole complexity of the game. So yeah, it, it's definitely important to be able to slow it down. And it's funny that we keep talking about slowing the game down and slowing things down when Major League Baseball is trying to speed up the game with things like the pitch clock. And as a pitcher, I've asked a number of pitchers uh, about it since the rule came out, but I want to ask you too, what are your initial reactions to the pitch clock? And do you believe that you would benefit from it? Or are you more of the, you know, wait on the mound, kind of pick your pitch type of pitcher? I don't mind it too much. Uh, like I get why, you know, they want to implement the pitch clock, but I feel like I'm a pretty quick mover or like I'll get the ball and I just want to throw another pitch. So I don't really think it's had an effect on me too much, but I know a lot of guys that, you know, their style is a little bit different. So it kind of affects them differently and they don't really like it that much because they're like the type that when they slow it down, they want to like just take their time. And so it, it is a different effect on everybody, but I don't mind it too much just because it doesn't affect me entirely. Yeah. And you have to see that often, right? Guys with different styles kind of, you know, going through the ranks, obviously you've been to a number of schools, you've played for Pittsfield for a couple of years. So you've seen kind of every angle and Matt obviously is a pitcher too. So he can attest to this, but just the idea of like, that just, it baffles me how everybody has kind of different styles about how they'll, they'll go about pitching. Yeah. It's a, it's actually really cool to see like a, how a bunch of guys go about doing their business. And like, I know I've taken things from, other people like stuff that they do but i've definitely come across some some weird techniques but you know whatever works for people works i guess all right i'm gonna ask both of you then because i gotta i gotta know what is the weirdest technique you don't have to name names but the weirdest technique you've ever seen in a pitcher i've seen guys go like no socks no shoes like earthing like thrown a warm-up for games I don't, i've seen i've seen a couple things uh what else like just like weird warm-up routines like karate to like get ready for a a start or you know stuff like that which uh, whatever works works like i'm not hating on the people but it's just cool how they <laughs> how they uh go about doing their business for me, I wouldn't even say it's too, too weird. Like, it's fairly common. I even started doing it sometimes. But Johnny, who used to be a co-host on this podcast, used to throw long toss from foul pole to foul pole before every single one of his starts. And it amazed me how he would do that and then throw a pen 10 minutes later and then get on the mound and throw yeah. six, seven innings. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I usually don't go too far before I 
before I start. Yeah, Johnny Maffey, former podcast co-host, complete psychopath on the mound. <laughs> but that's awesome. And and again, that's that's the that's the joy of baseball is everybody does things differently. Everybody has their superstitions or their not even superstitions, but their techniques that mm-hmm. can help improve them. And it's just cool that we we get to see that every day here in the Futures League. And back to you, Ryan. Uh, we'll go back to high school. We'll go back even further into your past here. You were a captain your senior year at Pittsfield High School and were also a two-time All-Western Mass first-team selection. What was your time there like at Pittsfield High School? <clears throat> I loved it. You know, it was a great experience. And uh, like I said earlier about playing with with a lot of guys or against guys um, and, like, making those relationships, I still talk to a lot of guys on the Pittsfield High team. And uh, it was unfortunate we didn't have our senior year actually due to COVID, which was tough. But my first three years there was was really fun, and or baseball-wise was really fun, and, and I enjoyed every second of it, and it was a good experience. And we've talked about how there's a bunch of Pittsfield guys on the team in for the Suns. Um, what have you taken away from high school, or what have other guys taken away from your time at Pittsfield High School Baseball and used in your careers? Yeah, I think high school baseball is, you know, a really good stepping stone and, and you learn a lot, a lot of like life experiences and a lot about the game. I think the most probably during your four years in high school and, you know, it just kind of helps you prepare for either if you're playing college baseball or, you know, going to work or going to college. You can just learn a lot from the stuff that you learned in your experience in high school. And I felt like I took a lot, a lot away from the stuff I learned in high school. And while you were in Pittsfield a lot as a kid, you went to Pittsfield High School and grew up there. Did you ever attend any Sun games? And what were your first impressions? Uh, I used to go to the Suns game all the time. Those were like the Red Sox game to me. I remember I used to scrape up my knees going for foul balls. My mom would get so mad. And uh, playing wall ball there. I had a lot of fun at Wakona Park growing up. So it's really cool to be able to play there now, now that I'm older. Yeah, that's got to be sweet being out, being there and seeing the kids do the same thing that you did as a kid, you know, playing wall ball as we see that all the time and probably scraping their knees too. That's probably happened. We've talked about a lot of things today, a lot of baseball memories, but I want to ask you for our final question here on this episode. What is your favorite all-time baseball memory if you had to choose one? Uh, My favorite baseball memory, I'd probably say my first ever home run in Little League. Uh, I think I was 10 years old and my home run numbers went down drastically from, from little league, unfortunately, but my first one in little league, I remember one of my dad, my friend's dads bought me a hot dog and I literally couldn't even sleep that night. It was like the best moment of my life. So I'd probably say that definitely younger on when I was younger. Yeah. You never keep the ball. I do have the ball. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't hit enough to not be able to keep him. That's all I'm saying. Clearly that career didn't last very long in the hitting department. (laughs) But we like you as a pitcher just the same, Ryan. Don't worry. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Ryan, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us here for the opener in season seven. We really look forward to seeing you on the mound the rest of the summer and wish you and the Suns the best of luck, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me on, guys. Thank you. Of course. And this has been season seven, episode one of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Run Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.